got some exciting news for you guys. Uh, I have a friend here who's going to share the word. And he is a godly man. I've known him for many years. In fact, I knew of him before I actually met him. Uh, his reputation actually preceded him because anyone who speaks of him speaks very well of him. He and I actually served at one time at the same church, but at different times. He was uh, there years before I came there, and they talked about him all the time. In fact, I even had the pleasure of serving with his mom. His mom was, on, when I was a student pastor, she was uh, on the staff there, and uh, th listen, the adults and the children, they just loved her. And he had no choice to turn out to be a pretty good guy because she's a fantastic woman. Uh, so he had no choice. Uh, in fact, he went on from uh, First Baptist, uh, uh, Snailville at the time, went and did ministry in other places. But he ended up pastoring a church called Ebenezer for 17 years. Currently, he is working with the Georgia uh, Baptist Mission Board. And there he is the pastor wellness, uh, the catalyst for pastor wellness in the northern area. So he's taken those gifts of shepherding and he's helping to shepherd shepherds. And it's such a beautiful thing because it's so needed um, because the health of churches depends upon uh, great individuals that God utilizes like this. And so don't get spoiled if he preaches a little bit shorter than I do because I'm coming back next week. I'm just kidding. I'm working on my time, okay? Uh, and so, Andy, don't spoil him too much, okay? All right? And without further ado, I'd like to introduce my friend, Andy Childs. Bless you. Well, y'all know now, Pastor Joe, next week's got to do two sermons in one Sunday, so I won't be here, but bless your hearts. That's right. I am honored to be here this morning with you guys here at Annistown Road Church. And uh, you, you need to know, I love what God's doing, not only in what God has done, but what God is doing present tense right here. As I look around this room, you need to know, this is a beautiful snapshot of what God intends his church to be. I've talked with some of you who've been here for 20 or 30 years at Annistown Church. Some of you are new, some of you are guests today, you're kind of checking it out. Some of you have grown up in church, some of you didn't know who Jesus was, had never owned a Bible, never opened a Bible, or read a verse of scripture until a month or two or a year or two ago when you connected with this church. And can I tell you, that's exactly the way God intends for his church to be. I think the, the, the thing that's broken sometimes is that when the local church is stale, we need to know that that's not the church God intends. I mean, when we look the way we've always looked and done the things we've always done, and there's no sense of the presence of God or the power of God, let me help you know that's not a church God's honored by. It's when God is stretching us and challenging us and changing us. And so I'm honored to stand here today. I love Pastor Joe and Miss Carmen, my wife Melissa and I have enjoyed getting to know them over the years and just hearing the story of what God is doing. And, and you gotta know, man, this guy's wide open. You know that, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, whether he's talking about the paint color or the person he told about Jesus, he's fired up. He's charged up and you are blessed to have he and Miss Carmen leading you here, amen. <laughs> As I'm in churches all across North Georgia and literally all across our state, you need to know God is doing a special thing right here. And the beautiful thing is God doesn't do something special in his church apart from his church. You with me? You are the church, right? You understand that? 
It's not the programs, it's not the band, it's not the pastor, it's not the staff. JC's incredible, man, love these guys. But listen, they will tell you, they're here to equip you for the work of ministry. And so I'm honored to be able to open God's word this morning. In a moment, we're gonna be in the book of Haggai. I'll give you a minute to find it. And I'm gonna talk about some other things for a moment. It's in the Old Testament, all right? Get to Matthew, hang a left, a couple of books back. Haggai, it really is in there, trust me. You're thinking you made this up, ain't no? It really is there. We're gonna be in chapter one in just a few moments. Before we get there, I wanna tell you what I wanna talk about. I wanna talk this morning about something that every one of us in this room are familiar with. Whether we're young or older, whether we see ourselves as kind of into technology or not, we all know what it's like to have an alert go off on one of these on our phone, right? Now, now some of those alerts we just ignore. I was talking to a couple the other night. Actually, my wife and I had gone to dinner, Brother Joe, and, and we saw some families and we were talking to them and, and somehow something came up about texting and, and, and uh, this one lady looked at her husband. She said, you know, he never responds to my text. He'll be at the barn and I see him out the back door. He looks at the phone and puts it back in his pocket, doesn't respond to me. And he's eating the chip. We're at a Mexican restaurant. And we're standing over them. He takes a bite of chip, looks up and goes, you're watching me? She goes, you know I'm watching you. So some of us, we ignore some of those things that come on our phone. Some of you, you're trying to figure out how to turn off some of those notifications. You with me, right? That thing's beeping and, and vibrating and lighting up. And you're like, how do you turn this off? It, it won't be unusual if somebody's phone doesn't go off during this service, right? That's just what happens. But I want to talk about this morning, not just any old alert on our phone, but I want to use this idea of the calendar alert, to remind us of the importance of priorities in our lives. You see, when the calendar alert goes off, if you're like me, what's on my calendar that alerts me is not the national holidays, right? It's not some shared calendar from some random person, but those events, those meetings, those phone calls, those reminders that come on my calendar are there because I put them there. And the reason I put them there is because I don't wanna forget about that. It's a big deal if it makes my calendar. Not everything's on my calendar, but there are some things that are on my calendar. And when those things on my calendar go off and I ignore them, I always know in just a few moments, it doesn't take me a day, it doesn't take me an hour, it doesn't take me 20 minutes. If I've ignored a calendar alert, I go, oh, whoa, whoa, I need to go back and what, what was that? Because it's a big deal. Because here's what I've learned. The important things in life are usually not the loudest. The relationships that mean the most to us often get crowded out. The voices that we ought to listen to, the things that we ought to do, those are often the things, the eternal moments, these are not the most demanding, these are not the loudest things in our lives. So if we're not careful, it's the urgent things and the loud things that crowd out and make us miss the important things. And in the book of Haggai, that's exactly what we see. It's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. I'm not preaching the whole book, don't worry, but it's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. And here's what's interesting. This book is all about putting first things first. And you would think if any group of people would know what it looks like to put the first things first and that they would be like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to go down there to the gym where I've paid a membership and walk around and get a smoothie and not work out. I'm going to get on a machine. I'm going to get on a treadmill. <laughs> you with me? I just got personal for some of you didn't know. But here's the thing. 
You would think that Haggai's people and Haggai would be the ones to say, we're gonna make sure we worship God. We're gonna make sure we honor God. You say, why would you say that? Well, because this is the remnant of Jews who have been brought back to Jerusalem after living in captivity in Babylon. So God has returned them to the place of promise. God has returned them to the place even of prominence, a place of praise for him. And yet what happens is as they come back, they immediately, rather than doing what matters most, they do things number three and number four and number two, but they miss the most important thing. But they would have been the people to say, oh, no, no, God's first. Man, he's a priority of our life. He has redeemed us. He has returned us. Just like some of us this morning, we're here today, right? You're looking around. I know you're, you're like me, you're looking around. And, and, and if I were my 17 years of pastoring, the first thing I do, I get up and do the welcome or I'm in the foyer greeting folks. And, and my mind auto, automatically goes not to who's there, but who's not there. I wonder where they are. I saw them last night at Zaxby's. Now I know they're fine. Where are they at today? I, I know they get up and go to work on time. They get the kids to school. on. Where are they? So this morning though, we are talking about us. <laughs> we're here. There's some of you watching online right now and you're going, yeah, I may not be there, but I'm watching church. My neighbor's still snoring. I can hear him across the parking lot there. I, but here's the thing, God's people in the book of Haggai, they had come to the right place. God had brought them to the right place. They, they wanted to, to honor God, they said, but yet the reality is they were living with misplaced priorities. And it wasn't they had run away. Listen, they hadn't run away from God. God had brought them back. What had happened? Listen, they had drifted away. And there's some of us this morning, God has brought us here. And some of you listening to this message online, God is speaking to you this morning. And he's speaking a word of conviction so that he can bring blessing and favors. We're going to see in the text in a moment. And he's reminding us that we have drifted away from those things that are most important. We've ignored the relationship with him and everything else is unraveling and everything else is falling apart. And we're kind of going, why is this? Ha I don't understand. I mean, God, I thought you were for me. I mean, we just sang that. That doesn't feel like you're for me. And the Lord's having to say, no, I'm for you enough to not let you ignore me. Amen. I'm for you enough that I will cause things to disrupt in your life. I will cause things to come apart so you'll come apart and spend time in my word and with me. So I want us to read together Haggai chapter one. There's much we could read, but we're gonna look at verses seven to 13 specifically. Haggai chapter one, beginning in verse number seven. And here's what the, Lord, the word of the Lord says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills, on the grain, on the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors." Then the scripture says in verse number 12 of Haggai chapter one, then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. 
Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And Father, we humble ourselves before you and your word. We thank you that what you speak in this text is not only about what happened then to them, but it's about what you want to do now in our lives. We thank you that your word endures forever. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but your word endures. Lord, may we, as James challenges us, may we not only hear your word, but may we be willing to do your word. For some of us, Lord, that means there's gonna have to be a reordering a reset of those things of priority in our life. For some of us, some things are going to have to go away. For some of us, some things are going to have to be added. For all of us, it's going to be about lifting you up as king, as savior, as Lord, as hope, as healer, even as potter and as artist. We pray these things for your glory through our lives, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as we look in this text, it's an amazing picture of what it looks like when we've drifted away from priorities. It's what it looks like when the alerts in our life are going off, but the problem is we're ignoring the important alerts and we're paying attention to the alerts that don't matter. It's kind of like, you know, when your wife, like my friend the other night that got busted right there in front of us, it, it, when your wife sends a text, that's a text you respond to, not your buddy who says, hey, did you see that such and such drafted such, do you see the salary that that guy's making in the Major League Baseball now? I can't believe, that, that doesn't matter. Let me help you, okay? But your spouse matters. Your children matter. Your parents, hello, your parents matter. <laughs> So I want us to look together. We're going to walk through this, these few verses here and talk about what does it look like when we're living with misaligned and misplaced priorities? What do the priorities of our life tell us? How is it that these calendar alerts, how is it that the priorities of our life can help us know where we are with the Lord? The first thing I want you to notice in verses seven and eight is what I call priorities reveal our heart. So in other words, if you want to know where is my heart, where's the core of who I am, where is my attention, where is my affection, Look at your priorities. You say, well, here's my priorities. They see, some of us, we can, we can spout off our priorities, but we don't live them. Pastor Joe knows there are churches that have great mission statements and great logos and great videos, and, and they talk a big game, but man, you look around and go, well, that looks great for about an hour and 10 minutes, but then what? <laughs> and I'm thankful that here at Annistown Church, you understand it's not just about agreeing and nodding. It's about going out and doing it's even more than that. It's about being the church in between Sundays, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your community. And so what happened was God's people here in the book of Haggai, they were nodding their head. They were probably even saying, Haggai, yeah, we're glad to be back in Jerusalem. God, you're first in our life. God, we're going to honor you. We're going to worship you. But, but I got some other things I got to do first. So notice again, verses seven and eight, look what the text says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house. Literally, he's saying, build my house, that I might take pleasure in it and that I might be glorified, says the Lord. That little phrase there in verse number seven, did you catch it? Consider your ways. Now, now some of your translations may even say, give careful thought to your ways. So in other words, what the Lord is saying, stop and look at what you're doing. You ever get a sense God says that in your heart? <laughs> I know he does to me, where I'm just busy, man, I'm, I'm steady moving, I got stuff to do, man, I got people I'm praying for, I got ministry I want to see happen, and the Lord says, hey, Andy, shh, stop. Yeah, Lord, 
sit down. But, 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 but I got this to do, and, and, and I got this appointment, and I got this sermon to write, and I got these people to say, and the Lord says, no, 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 shh, stop. I want you to spend time with me. Lord, I did that this morning. I had 15 minutes with you. Remember that? I got to get on now. I gotta... He wants us to stop, be still, and know that I am God. How about that? priorities reveal our heart. Now you say, what's going on here? Well, what had happened? Notice what he says. He says that you are taking time to build your own house, but his house was neglected. Already in chapter one, if you go up a few verses, you see that, that they're building their own homes. They're paneling their homes. They're, they're making these nice homes. And they're literally saying, but, but we've got to take care of this. And once I get my stuff done, then God, we can do your stuff. <laughs> that little phrase, consider your ways. There's only two chapters. There's 38 verses in the book of Haggai in two chapters. And that word, that phrase, consider your ways, shows up five or six times depending on your translation. So in this short two chapter, 38 verses, God says it over and over. Now, now here's one thing I've learned. With my mama, Mama Gail, if she says something, if my dad, Larry, before they passed, if they said something, if my wife, Melissa, if she says it, Joe, more than once, if she says it more than three times, I probably ought to be paying attention. So if God is speaking to his people then, and God is speaking to his people now, and he's saying, consider your ways. It doesn't say it once. Consider your ways. It doesn't say five times. Consider your ways. Pay attention to what you're doing. Because here's the thing. The Lord knows we often live frazzled and unfocused. I mean, we're just running, it's like a blur. You with me? I mean, some of you right now, you're thinking, oh, I know, I'm trying to, did I put my lipstick on before I came in? I don't know. <laughs> Guys, or some of you, you're, you're thinking, yeah, I'm trying to remember, that, that, that I, did I turn off the, the, the coffee pot? I, I hope that thing goes, I don't know. There's some of you, at a moment ago, when I held up my cell phone, you went, oh, I left my cell phone. Where is it in the truck? Or is it at home? I don't know, because we're in a rush. We're, we're living in this blur, and that's exactly what was happening then. The busier we are, the more we often neglect the most basic things of life. You ever notice that? I have to watch now that I'm on the road a lot. I'm, I, for 17 years, I pastored the same church in a small town, and I didn't go anywhere much. I mean, I went to the office. I visited people, went to the hospital. I could have walked to all those places. It was right there in this little town in Tacoa, Georgia. Now I'm all over Georgia, and I have to be careful now, not about time, but you know what? I got to watch what I eat, Joe. It's hard to eat healthy. I mean, I, one thing I've learned, the, the, the thing that's healthy is always more expensive. You can get like eight cheeseburgers and five fries cheaper than a salad. You with me? Because they know if you're eating a salad, you'll pay for it because you're, you know, you're trying to be healthy. So I try to be healthy and, and I have to pay attention because if I'm not careful, I'll neglect the basics. I had a, a physical this week, a checkup with my doctor and every few years they put me on the treadmill with the, all the, the leads and all. And, and JC, I told him, I felt like I was that guy on the Rocky movie, you know, the, the Russian when he's, so I'm on there. And, and so I have my doctors in there and his nurse, who's a good friend of ours. And then the doctor says, hey, Andy, if you don't mind, I have this nurse practitioner that I'm trying to train. She's never done one of these. Can, can she come in here? And he said her name. I said, oh yeah, I know her. Her husband's actually a pastor and a friend of mine. I said, she can come in. I didn't think about it. Yeah, I guess it is a little awkward when the preacher's standing there in a pair of jeans and no shirt on, all these things on him on the treadmill. But it's like, whatever. So they came in. And so it was this crazy thing. And, and as I was on that treadmill, I thought, you know, the truth is this is the way our life feels almost every day. Remember at one point, Dr. Cohen said, my doctor said, Andy, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. This is like every day, right? I'm just running. I'm just moving. I'm, I'm going nowhere, but I'm running. I'm moving. 
That's exactly what it's talking about here. The Lord calls them out. Look what he says again. Consider your ways, go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, literally build my house. See, what had happened is after they returned to Jerusalem, after that captivity in Babylon, the people were busy. They were building, they were rebuilding their lives. They were literally rebuilding their homes. But listen, church, as they were rebuilding their lives and rebuilding their homes, they were neglecting the very God who brought them back home. And can I tell you, there's some of us, that's what's happened. God gave us a moment of favor. God did something special. And instead of knowing that that was the first thing God wanted to do, it was like that was God's down payment of favor. We said, okay, this is good. Now I'm gonna do my thing. Now, thank you. I'll let you know if I need you, Lord. You got me back. I got it from here. And the Lord says, no. He says, consider what you're doing. You're ignoring me. You're not doing what I called you to do. Notice they neglected the rebuilding of the temple. Verse eight, he says, build my house so that I might take pleasure and be honored in it. Let me help you with something. It took me forever to learn this and I'm still struggle to remind myself that the greatest gift I can give to God besides trusting Jesus as my savior is to give him glory. But can I tell you, we want to grab the glory for ourselves, don't we? Man, we want people, oh, you know, I, you were here early. You were, you were the first greeter among all the greeters to get here early. Woo. Man, you, you brought the most shoe boxes for Operation Christmas Child. You, you something else. I know. I'm just trying to beat you. I'm just trying to stay at it because y'all don't. I'm trying, you know. But here's the thing. What God wants is for us to reflect the glory to him. What God wants is for him to receive the glory. When you think about it, he says, build my house so that I might take pleasure and be honored in it. So here's the question, the priorities of your life, the things that are at the top of your to-do list, the things you did the last seven days that, that took lead of everything else. Let me ask you this, in those, what did those priorities reveal about your heart? Did God even make the top three? <laughs> top 10? Or is he an afterthought? See, this morning, we've got to make certain that our priorities line up and really it is a priority and he is the priority. You with me? But I want you to notice something else. Now y'all making me preach now, we're gonna get long. All right, second principle, delayed obedience is disobedience. I wish I didn't have to tell you that because listen, the Lord reminds, every time I, I look at this message, every time this morning I got up and I was praying over this, Pastor Joe, and the Lord said, Andy, Talking to you on that one, delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm like, yeah, but I'm gonna do it. And the Lord says, no, no, no. It's not I'm going to, it's I have done it because I've called you to do it. Look again at verse number nine. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? God's doing this, hello? He's like, oh, you got all your stuff. Look what, I, I got some deals at Walmart, man. I went over here, I'm getting a raise. I, I'm getting a new car. Man, I got this going on. And then it's all gone. You're going, what happened? Look, 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 the Lord says, I blew it away. Because your priority wasn't me. It was all your stuff. It was your, your accomplishments. It was your activities. He said, I blew it away. Then look what he says in verse nine. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. He's like, I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. You want to know why? The end of verse nine, because of my house that lies in ruins, why each of you busies himself with his own house. He's like, you want to know why everything's falling apart in your life? Look at my house. You want to know why all the other relationships are, are crumbling and falling? Look at your relationship with me. 
You want to know why your financial house and your physical house and your emotional house and your spiritual house and your relational house, you want to know why it's all crumbling? He said, because you're not right with me. And either I'm king of kings and Lord of lords or I'm not. He answers the why question, doesn't he? Delayed obedience is disobedience. Can I tell you something? It's easy to make excuses when we don't want to obey God. And here's what I've learned. My best excuses, I haven't had one yet where God says, okay, my bad, you're right. I should have never asked you to do this. Holy Spirit, why'd you go over there and do that? You shouldn't have bothered him with that. I mean, he's got stuff at work he's got to do. He's got Georgia Baptist Mission Board meetings, Pastor Joe. You can't ask Pastor Andrew. He, he, he's busy. Never once. Never once. But you know, sometimes I think I got pretty good excuses. Well, my family needs me. I mean, don't you want me to serve my family, Lord? Yes, but what kind of husband and what kind of father are you going to be? What kind of brother are you going to be if you're not right with me? If I'm not the priority of your life, you'll never be the man in their lives I need you to be. <laughs> There's always something, there's always something urgent that takes us away from the important. You ever notice that? God, I didn't say no. See, most of us in this room, we're, we're too smart, right? We're too smart. We're not gonna say, God, I ain't doing that. No way, Lord. We just say, Lord, I'm, I absolutely, I'm gonna work with the children, but, but not, not, not like right now, but like next year, because I'm gonna have some more free time. Lord, I'm gonna give that offering to help get that renovation done. But you know, first I gotta see what my CPA says about taxes and I'm waiting to see, cause you know, I, I might get a better job and I could tithe even more money if I get that better job. But until then I gotta sit tight and hold tight cause you know, you never know nowadays and you know, this economy's crazy. And, but Lord, I, 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 you're right, I'm gonna do it later. But now we understand what it's like as parents, those of us who are parents, when we say to our kids, clean up your room or take the trash out and they don't. And we say, D -d 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 did you not understand? I say, clean your room. I am going to clean my room. Yeah, before you're 80, I want you to clean your room. Okay, not like, I mean, we know that. But yet when we come to the Lord, when he comes to us and he calls us to action, we say, yes, Lord, later. <laughs> yes, Lord, but, but not right now. Delayed obedience is disobedience. <laughs> In verse number two of Haggai chapter one, listen to this, it's really interesting. Thus says the Lord of hosts, he's quoting the people. Here's what he says, verse number two. These people, this is God speaking, he's mocking them. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The people are, God said, oh, I hear what you're saying. It's not time yet. Once we get ours done, then we're gonna put all ours, and we'll have practice painting and our carpentry skills. And, and once we know what we're doing and we get ours all situated, then we're gonna do the house of the Lord. It's gonna be awesome then, but not right now. The Lord says, I know what you're saying. It's not yet time, but the Lord is saying now is the time. There's some of us in this room, God's been speaking to your heart. And you think that what God's speaking is something about a month from now or a year from now or a decade from now. And the Lord said, uh-uh, I'm talking about now. He said, but I, I thought the Bible says with the Lord that like, you know, like a, like, like, you know, a day is like a thousand years. I mean, what's the difference? Well, because when God says now, he means now. When he spoke the world into being, he didn't say, when he, when he began to speak and he, and he spoke light into the darkness, he didn't say, whenever you're ready, light, just come on, I'll just let me know. Earth, whenever it's time to take form, I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you, but you, you just choose your own. You just do your thing, okay? You do you and I'm just, no. 
So why do we think that the God who is so precise in creation, that the God who created us in our mother's womb, who knit us together, Psalm 139 says, why do we think that when he speaks in our life that somehow we know more than he knows? Well, it's not a good time, Lord. I, I know you're saying, but, 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 but you know, let me wait a month or two. Let me wait a week or two. Let me wait and see what they're gonna do. And he, and he goes, oh, my bad. No, he knows his timing. He knows what he's doing. We don't tell God no, we just say later, which is a soft version of no, right? You might, might want to jot this verse down. I love this verse, Psalm 119, verse 60. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. I love that. I will hurry without delay to obey your commands. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And there's some of us, God has spoken into your life an opportunity. And let me remind you, when we glorify God, when we say yes to God, when we live out our life for him, it not only honors and blesses him, but we are honored and blessed. That when God calls us to trust him and God calls us to faith and God calls us to, to say to a mountain to move and God calls us to walk through the Red Sea when it's parted and God calls us to stand up against our Goliath, that when God calls us and stirs in us and moves us in those moments, it's not only something that's for God's good and God's glory, it's for our good so that we can see him in a powerful and personal way. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Priorities reveal our heart. There's a third thing we see in verses 10 and 11. And here's the third principle, disobedience. You ready for this? Disobedience disappoints. See, sometimes we think, well, you know, I know people, man, they don't do what God says. And it's like, everything's good for them. It may seem that way, but I promise you it's not. Whatever a man sows is what he reaps. God's not mocked. Now we may not see it. And we may, we sometimes, I mean, sometimes we're like, Lord, I just want to see some, I want to just get them. And when he doesn't, we're like, oh man, just, you know. But God speaks to his people here. He says, you don't have the right priority. You're about you and not about me. But if you'll be about me, I'll take care of the you. <laughs> Priorities reveal our heart. He has shown them in, in verse number nine that delayed obedience is disobedience. They're like, yeah, but we didn't say no. We're just doing something else first and you're saying no. And then he shows us that disobedience disappoints in verses 10 and 11. Look what the text says. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And this is God speaking. And I have called for a drought on the land and on the hills and on the grain and on the new wine and the oil on whatever the ground brings forth on man and beast. He's like, I've done, I've just come against it all <laughs> and all of your labors. In other words, he says, you think it doesn't matter but every battle that you're losing and every emotion that's overtaken you and every failure that's strangling you, he said, it's your fault. Because you've been disobedient to me, I've withheld my favor and my blessing and my protection. And even things that you think have just are coincidence, like, well, it didn't rain. Or coincidence, like, well, man, the government, I mean, who knows, right? They done messed up the economy again. I don't know. That boss, that situation, he's like, no, I'm in all of that. And your disobedience, it's what's bringing the disappointment. See, here's the thing. I, I put this in my notes. Selfishness never brings about stability, <laughs> but we think it does. We think if we'll just take care of ourselves, if we'll just do our thing, if we'll just say, you know what, I'm not worried, I'm just going to be me, you do you, I'll do me, we're just going, that, that somehow in that we're safe and we're secure. 
But the reality is selfishness never brings stability. It brings disruption. It brings frustration. It brings disappointment. It brings defeat. Do you see it? Isn't it interesting? God's people, the remnant God had brought back to Jerusalem, (laughs) that he had clearly stirred and, and given them a opportunity to honor him and worship him, but yet their delayed obedience is disobedience and there's disappointment. Nothing's working out the way they thought. The earth is withheld. (laughs) There's a drought. The things they have, it's just not working out. Verse six, listen to this, verse six of Haggai chapter one. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes in it. Man, if that doesn't feel like life sometimes, right? I mean, we're working hard. We're showing up to work. We're doing, and it's like, no no matter how much we make, there's more going out. There's more month than there is money. Hello. Man, we're, we're trying to take the high road and speak life and not death. We're trying to be Christ-like and we're trying to be compassionate and we're trying to show love. And it's like, every time we show love, we get punched in the face again. And we're like, okay, Lord, I know you said turn the other cheek, but how many, I mean, I only got two cheeks. They done punched them both. I mean, I went, <laughs> right? So, so here's the thing. God's speaking, he says, but here's the reason all these things are coming apart. The reason there's all this emptiness, the reason there's a hole in the bag, the reason the crops and you keep sowing and you keep working and the more you work, the less there is. He said, the reason is because of your disobedience. Because God doesn't want to be mocked. Disobedience, it disappoints. If we had time, some of us could stand up and give testimony of that. Where we started off in disobedience, we, we, we thought when we said, we started off by saying to God, well, not now, I'm not saying no, just later, but eventually our later became a no. And then we said, okay, it's not so bad. I'm doing fine on my own. I mean, I'm, 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 I know some people down there at the church, they, this, their, their life's more messed up than mine. So I'm just going, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm good. Me and God have an understanding. I had a guy tell me that the other day. I said, you and God have an understanding. I said, have you lost your mind? He's like, what's that supposed to mean? I said, the last I read, the God of the Bible doesn't say, hey, I'm going to do a special contract with Billy Joe up here in Tacoa, Georgia, because, you know, he's special. I said, Genesis to Revelation tells me God revealed himself through Christ. And when we talk about truth, truth is not a set of principles. It's a person and his name is Jesus. The way to God is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth. And by the way, the life, the life is not something that happens when we die. The life is now and it's Jesus, right? Well, tell me you got some deal with God. No, you don't. You may have a deal with the devil, hello. He'll make a deal with you, but God doesn't. This disobedience that, that disappoints and, and, and you would think, man, that's, this is just bad, right? I mean, this is a short book. We're not even through chapter one. And, and we're like, man, man, these, they're messed up. I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> but is it us? Our priorities, <laughs> they reveal our heart. We've been disobedient because we're delaying doing what God said to do. <laughs> We're disappointed and and, and what happens is we stop being disappointed in our circumstance and we start being disappointed in Christ. We stop being disappointed in what doesn't go good and all of a sudden we're disappointed in God and we're blaming God when in fact we're the ones who've ignored his word. We've ignored his way. We've ignored his will. Oh, but there's good news. (laughs) The good news is in verses 12 and 13, we see this, reset priorities, restore favor. (laughs) We're in chapter one still. I mean, we're just getting started, right? It's a short book anyway, gotta get to the point. But 
Chapter one, we, we, we start and it's like Lord, the Lord's calling them out, but by the end, God moves and he brings back favor. Look again at verses 12 and 13. Reset priorities, restore favor. Listen to this. Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, all the remnant of the people, they all obeyed the Lord their God in the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. And look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people and this was the Lord's message. You ready? I am with you, the Lord says. How about that? I am with you. My parents used to remind my brother and I as we were growing up in middle school and high school, I went to Brookwood High School, graduated in 89, Broncos. But anyway, so I, I remember my parents saying to me when I'd say, well, my friends at church this and my friends at, at school this, and I feel like I'm the only one. And my parents would say, hey boys, let me remind you something. God plus zero is always the majority. I'm like, all right. I can do that. How true that is. I am with you, the Lord said through Haggai. Now, these are the same people who had ignored God. These were the same people who had left God's house in ruins. These are the same people that had everything else they were focused on except the glory of God, except the place of God, except the house of God. And yet the Lord says, as they return to them and they fear him and they put the priorities back right, the Lord says, I got word for you. I'm with you. There's some of you this morning in this room, there's some of you watching this message right now, and can I tell you, God is longing to speak into your life by his spirit, a thunderous, a loud, not a whisper, but a loud, I am with you. But for him to be with you, you've got to reset your priorities. Look again at the text. It says, not only was it that Joshua, not only was it that the high priest, but all the remnant, they all obeyed the voice of the Lord. God speaks promise when we align our priorities with him. See, some of us, we're longing for God's promise. We're longing for God's word. We're longing for a sense of, of God's presence in our life. And the way that presence comes, the way that power comes, the way that God shows up is that we realign our priorities with him. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and then. Listen, he knows not only our past, he knows not only our today, he knows what's in front of us that we don't know. There's never been a thing that has come. Listen, when COVID hit, God didn't say, what in the world just happened? He knew. See, I think for some of us, the resetting of our priorities is what God's brought us here for today, not just so that we can check the box, not just so that we can be in order of what God wants, but God wants our priorities to re be reset. He wants to receive glory and honor in our life because when he is the priority and when his way is our way and his will is our will, then there is favor and blessing and our God longs to open up the windows of heaven. He longs to pour out blessing and pour out grace and pour out favor to us. But the enemy wants us to think and ourself wants us to, oh, God don't want to bless us. He's like, hold on, oh man, I don't want to have to let go of no blessing. I don't want to have to do, man, I, I just, oh, I don't want to, okay. You, you rub the lamp the right way. I got to give you three wishes. No, that's the genie. That's not God. God wants to bless his children. He wants to show favor and grace and mercy. I am with you, he wants to say. Let me make this personal. There's some of you, God's brought you here this morning to talk about priorities not just so that you can do right stuff, but so that you can be right with him. And when you're right with him, he's able to say to you, I am with you. 
as you try to rebuild your marriage. I am with you as you struggle through the disappointment and the failure of your own life and your own mistakes and the scars and the sin and the stain of the I'm with you. The Lord wants to speak to some of us to say, I am with you even as you pursue generosity in ways with your time and ways with your resources that make your family and make your friends go, what are you doing? Man, don't, don't, that's crazy. Don't, don't be like that. I am with you. He wants you to know he's with you as you're walking through that medical crisis, that financial crisis, that crisis of faith and even crisis of identity. I am with you, declares the Lord. See, this morning, we've got to reset to make sure that the priorities of our life are his priorities, not ours. And resetting priorities, it takes courage because it means saying no to some things we've been saying yes to. Resetting priorities means letting go of some things that we've held so tight to. Resetting priorities means aligning some things in a way that, that's not going to feel natural at first. It, it's gonna feel uncomfortable because it's not the way we've always done it. But this morning, the Spirit of God and the Word of God are giving us an alert, <laughs> a tone, there you go, a vibration, <laughs> a sense of urgency. And can I tell you, in this moment right now, God wants to go from saying, you know why? Because I'm against you, to saying, you know why? I'm for you. Do you see that? It happened right here in Haggai chapter one. In just a moment, this altar is going to be open and, and we understand you can, you can do business with God right where you are. But sometimes we need a physical movement. We, we need a physical response to our spiritual reality or else we're disconnected. So in a moment, JC is gonna come and they're gonna lead us in worship and this altar is gonna be open and some of us need to come and this needs to be our place of kneeling down and saying, okay, now I know why, Lord, I have been disobedient and it's delayed obedience is disobedience and it's brought disappointment in my life and it's wrecked my life and I'm frustrated. So Lord, I'm coming to kneel before you to say, I want your way and your will in my life. So we go from being at odds with God to the moment we pray a prayer like that and we surrender till we get to stand up and be in alignment with God. And he says, I'm with you. That literally you can come to this altar and kneel and as you get up to leave and you walk back to your seat, you know that you go from God saying, you know why? Because I shut the heavens up. You know why? I'm the one that put the hole in the money bag. You know why? I'm the one that makes the seed not grow. To then you're going back and he's saying, I'm with you. We got this. You're not alone. I'm with you. There's some of you here, God can't say I'm with you because you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You know about Jesus, you sing about Jesus, you might even pray to Jesus, but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And today you need to walk forward and come to Pastor Joe and say, you know what, I wanna give my heart to Jesus Christ. I don't want just a priority of a day or a priority of a few events or a few activities or a few thoughts. I want the priority of everything I am from the inside out to be him. As a matter of fact, I wanna be a new creation in Christ. That's God's priority for you, did you know that? And by the way, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old things pass away. Everything becomes new. You know what I think of? I think about new creation. I think about Genesis 1. Because remember, the earth was without form until there was light. 
And God brought light and he brought form. Some of your lives are like that right now. They're chaos. And God wants to bring order and beauty. There's some of you when we stand in a moment after I pray, you need to come and join this church. Well, I'm going to, I'm, I'm gonna wait till next week. Go, no, 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 don't delay. You need to come today and say, you know what? I know God wants me to be here. And listen, understand, Pastor Joe and Anastown Church are not saying they're perfect, but they do wanna be obedient. And you don't come because you're perfect. You come out of obedience because God wants you to be part of a local church. By the way, you know the local church is God's plan A and there's no plan B. The local church is where life happens, where ministry, where the ends of the world are reached from a church just like this. So some of you need to come after I pray to realign your priorities, to reset the alerts of your life so that when you walk back to your seat after you pray at this altar, God says, I'm with you. There's some of you need to come and give your life to Christ so he can say, I'm with you. There's some of you need to come and join this church so that when you walk back to your seat, after you've joined this church, not only is God going to say, I'm with you, but this whole church is going to say, we're with you. And so Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning in this moment. We thank you for these beautiful stories that are more than just stories about people then, they're about us now. That your word is true for us. And Lord, for some of us today, our priorities are the very thing that are rocking us, that are destroying us, that are frustrating us. And today that can all be fixed. It can all be reset by faith as we come to you. Whether for salvation and forgiveness, whether for realignment, or whether for ministry purpose. Lord, have your way in this moment. Lord, let us not delay. Let you be the priority of this moment and of our decision, of our attention, of our action. If we pray this in the strong name and for the glory of Jesus alone. Amen. Let's stand together and worship as we stand all across this room.